Welcome back, Inebriate. Things sound even a little bit different. Uh, it's because we're recording at our new office. Uh, we've moved here only just a few short weeks ago, and we're kind of you know building out the, the recording studio and getting a little little uh, you know situated and whatnot. But uh, today we actually have uh, a voice actor joining us today. Well, I suppose an, I feel like I can drop the term voice from voice actor because they do so much more than just speak now but uh i'm gonna say aloha because he's in hawaii uh james burns welcome to the show man yeah happy to be here so voice acting isn't like it used to be like there's a great video on your imdb page and i've never seen anything quite like it where it has like shot for shot of you in like the mocap uh suit and that's a great video um because I don't think I know I don't tend to think of voice actors as doing all the physical work of the role um, that, that well, it requires. You, you, you'd, be, you'd be correct in that assumption because it's actually a uh, it's a fairly new I uh, well, no since the since Black Ops Call of Duty Black Ops mm-hmm. uh, that's that whole that was a phenomenon they captured face voice and body. Uh, at the same time, usually it was you have a, a motion capture actor doing the physical stuff, then you have a voice actor, and they actually have a face actor who do the uh, almost facial pantomimes. And then they wanted to tell, if, uh, Dave Anthony felt he wanted to tell a more nuanced story within the, uh, the gaming world, and they wanted to have the acts to, you know, one body language to match the actual, uh, you know, when you speak, you have body language, we have, mm-hmm. you know, we, we have emotions that come through our physical physicality. And so they decided to uh, co-op some of the avatar technology. And that's how I got involved. I, I was brought in to test the technology and I just stuck. So and yeah, they just so hung we, around? <laughs> well, they just liked yeah. me. You know? yeah. um, I, we, we were working together, had a, a, a great experience. And then I just, I guess, actually had an audition for the part I created. I'd, I'd done, I'd work on uh, a character called Frank Barnes during the testing. And then mm-hmm. they came in and they had an audition for the role of Frank Woods. And it was, it, was a, it, was a, it was a whole video on my YouTube channel about how that happened. It was just kind of a, you know, they, they, me and the guys at Trek were really tight, but they couldn't let the brass at Activision know they liked me because they wouldn't, out of spite, they wouldn't have hired me. So there's this weird political infighting that would happen with all, but that was, yeah, so it's, yeah, there is a, there's a whole group of actors who, um, do primarily mocap and then they have a lot of celebrities come and do the voiceover on top of that rarely is it they have the same guy doing the voice and the uh the movement you know do, do you think that's the way that the industry is trending that the, that's going the way they're going to do it from now on or a, a, a lot of the a lot of the popular voices that you like are not really physical guys mm-hmm. so a lot of guys just can't do it they don't have the training they don't have the physicality because these are physical roles you're doing it's mostly stunt work with acting involved yeah, uh, and a lot of the voice actors just don't have that physical capability. They're, they're just not built that way. And then you have certain actors who are, and so there's, there's a wide range of who participates, who gets to participate in it. Well, and a lot of the guys like Gary Oldman, Ice Cream, they don't have the time to come in and bang out. It's like it's like making a movie or a TV series. Yeah, you know, it's just the same as shooting a TV series. So a lot of them just don't have the time, and they'll just you know do a remote and just kind of um, that's. Pretty much how it goes. And plus, they're expensive, so having to come in, fly them in to put them up, it triples the price of a celebrity. So, sure, because then you get like writers and 
you know, you can't put them up in any hotel and yeah, for sure. Yes. Yeah. Uh, How is it acting in such like a stripped down kind of set? I mean, basically it's green walls and like there's a, you know, little part where you climb into a Jeep, but it's, you know, not resembling a Jeep at all. There is a, a thing called black box theater. And I started in New York in the early 2000s. I did quite a bit of that. So basically it's a, it's a screen, it's a stage with a, literally a bunch of black boxes. Mm-hmm. You sit on and then you have one or two, you have minimal props and you create the universe. Um, you live it in your imagination. And pretty much it, that training really served me well in the volume because, you know, uh, Mason, you know, my, my best friend and counterpart, he was a tennis ball that I talked to. And he put, we put this tennis ball on all these yep. C-stands, and I would talk to a tennis ball. And that was, and I, you, and you, okay, listen, that, that light over there, that's the helicopter. This is, and every now and then you get, you, you get a piece of tape. That tape is your enemy. So you really, you're not getting a lot to play with, but that's part of the fun. That's part of the craft. It's like, when you finally get over the idea, you know, of the entitlement that you need to be served, like, oh, how do I? All of a sudden, your brain just explodes at opportunity and ideas because now your your imagination is just once you take away the once you give it a context, you, your imagination goes wild. It's it's limitlessness that destroys imagination. When you have constraints, that's when you get imaginative. So not having that stuff and trying to figure out how to make it happen gives it a life gives it a vitality that may not be there if you had a lot of stimulation you know? yeah i mean I, I agree completely like sometimes too many options can actually oh yeah. just paralyze you because you don't yeah. know what to choose from yeah well there's, uh, there's that old there's that old um there's a story about a, a, a this artist trying to explain to you know it's a zen story and they tell me a story about life and, and, and I, you know and they go, okay, tell me a story about life on the water with no water, with no food, no wind, and now you, you, you see an island. All of a sudden, by adding parameters, you create images and you create imagination. And so having no, having no parameters or having no, like, you, know, you don't have something to bump up against, you're not really, you can't get the best of yourself. Without friction, there's no possibility for growth because now it's just all this, there's no structure there. I mean, it's the same thing with the story. A story is not good unless there's obstacles, you know, yes. there has to be something yes, for yes, the yes. people to overcome, you know, do you ever have trouble kind of like explaining to people what you do? I mean, Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> my mother, I get sure about my mom. I'm from Western mass. I'm Pittsfield. I'm a Pittsfield guy. Okay, sure. So my mom, God bless her soul. Um, I get a call one day and, Hey, Jim, it's mom. Yeah, I know, I know. I know your voice. She goes, I'm here with your cousin. What's that? What's that pimp? This is like right after I, I just won the VGA for a character of the year. I said, things were blowing up pretty big, yeah. right? She goes, Jim, what's that? What's that? What's that pinball game you play? Goes, what? <laughs> you know, the, the pinball game you play. You want the game, the pinball game. The pinball. You mean the video game? Yeah, you know, the pinball. T- talk to your cousin about this. And she had, until this year, she had no idea what I did. She had yeah. no clue. No one's with And she went to Sesame Street. She, I was in General Hospital for a couple of years. I got her a, a tour of General Hospital. I was on in Florida shooting burn notice, so I wasn't there. And yeah. she still, 
My mother never got to see me work, ever, ever. And, you know, it was interesting that she had no idea what it was about, but she's been to studios, she's been to things, but has, it's like, it's just another universe for her. So, yeah, explaining it's really hard sometimes to, and even the people in the industry, you know, like they say, well, you have 150 million fans. I mean, yeah, but it's different. You know, it's like, it's kind of, so, yeah, it, it's, and I tend, unless I'm talking to someone like you, I tend not to try to explain myself. I say, hey, go, go to my website. It's so funny. Like my, my job is very convoluted and hard to describe. And, you know, a lot of times you're running someone a bar or a party or whatever. And they're like, Oh, what do you do? And it's so hard to explain that even when I come up with like, you know, a short, you know, elevator pitch of what I do, they're still like, I don't, I don't understand what you do. And it's like, well, you know, I make podcasts and I go to bars and people like, I, you know, it, and and then they're inevitably they're like, and you make enough money at that? And that's always like Yeah. I, I understand it is still offensive. <laughs> yeah. So so what restaurant do you work at? Yeah, exactly. Right. So what do you what do you what do you what's your real job? Yeah, that kind of thing. Um was this I mean, obviously video games wasn't always the direction you were planning on going, because I feel like that's a relatively new industry for actors to be take part in was do you and well i mean you said you're on general hospital like do you still try to get more traditional roles and things like that or are you pretty much just in, in the you video know, game call of duty and yakuza and I mean, i've only been in like three games i'm not really a quote voice actor i'm you know i i've been in i've been in a hundred movies a couple hundred commercial i mean you have seen me you can't see me today because the camera's not working but I'm that guy. If you see me, you're like, oh wait. A oh, minute. you're that guy. Oh, oh, oh. You're the you know that guy from that movie and that with the yeah. other guy. Yeah. guy that, oh, no, that's that's me. That's me to the T. I've I've been in just. You see me a lot. It's just that I, I'm not a star, you know. And yeah. What well, I'm just a I'm a grunt. I'm a working, you know. I'm a character. I'm a fourth yeah. line. I'm a character guy. I'm a fourth line guy in the Bruins who's uh, you know <laughs> gets ten goals a year and and you know, Takes you know it takes a decent shift. That's it. I mean, I I'm just kind of a I'm a working class actor. I see, you just hit home. Those are always my favorite guys. Yeah, always that's, my favorite. It's what I am, and and it's it's proved to be a very uh, a very nice life for me. You know, it's like I I'm not rich, but I'm I'm comfortable. You know, mm -hmm. I, I don't have to worry about paying my rent next month, which is nice. You know, but at the same time, it's like oh, you know, there's there's places you want to go, things you want to do. But if you're smart as an artist and you, and you conserve capital and you, you, you make smart decisions, you can have a good life, you know? And there must be like a real extra. Uh, so like I get to do a lot of cool things that normal people don't get to do. And even when I wasn't making a living at it, people were like, oh, you, you know, do you make a living? I'm like, no, but I get, you know, some really cool benefit. I get a, you know, a tour of the Lizzie board and a private tour of the Lizzie board and house, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so I'm assuming you get like all kinds of cool fringe benefits like that as well. Yeah, it's pretty insane. Um, that I've been, you know, aside from going to premieres and you know all the uh, the, the industry related things, which you know I go to E3 a lot and I'm well treated. You know, I'm I'm I have a lot of respect in in, in the world, so I'm treated well. But what really is is the uh, the, the USO, you know what the USO is? Yeah. They, 
Yeah, they they have flown us around. I had been to Afghanistan. I, you know, during you know, as Bagram during during full combat, we were at in Kazakhstan and Guam. They fly us all over the world to meet troops, and that is just a, a remarkable experience to be in a war zone like in in the middle of Afghanistan to experience what's happening there real time. To be in helicopters, I've been in Black Hawks. We did five hops from Bagram into eight or nine different you know um, bases all along the Pakistani border. And it was it was remarkable to meet tens of thousands of troops and just have a you know handshake tour and just just see what that is. I've been on nuclear submarines, aircraft carriers, inside of jets. You know, we you get to see and do things that again, like you said, um, the average individual probably would never have an opportunity to do. And it's 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 a blessing. That that's I mean, Black Hawk helicopters. I I got to see one fly fairly up close, it, and. It just kind of defies physics what those things can do. Uh, it's well, I, I that's impressive. But more impressed me more is meeting the young men and women who actually fly these things. Mm-hmm. I mean, they just to the T. I I am so impressed with. Well, this is back in 2013. I'm so impressed with the men and women I met during my travels with the U.S. So just articulate and direct and and just mannered and just really impressed. 19, 20 year old kids driving, you know, $5 million Humvees. You get these, you know, young men with 28, 20 driving a flying Blackhawk helicopter with total ease here. And they're talking to you, they're flying, <laughs> you know, and then, you know, they, they, some of the, um, the armorers would, cause they, they accounted for every bullet they had over there. So they take some of the test rounds and, they stack them up for us. I got to shoot a lot of the weaponry they had there, you know, the, the, the machine guns. That is, you know, firing an actual military-grade machine gun, is that's quite remarkable, you know. Was this all part of, like, a Call of Duty thing? Well, it's it was the USO. So the yeah. USO uh, reached out, well, Kamar Dolores, uh, plays Menendez. Yeah. He and I are buddies. So when Black Ops 2 happened, it was had a lot of buzz and is is really uh, – the they organized the trip for us and uh and to their credit activision jumped on board they gave us a little bit of support which means it which means they didn't get in get in our way or shut us down they gave us some you know some swag we yep. bought a bunch we, we bought a bunch ourselves for it but uh yeah they're supportive yeah. and, and did you find the the soldiers were fans of the the game or like more Andy, critical Andy, it's crazy i would walk in we're at it's called Gardez. It's a fire base a few hundred miles from uh, Bagram. And you walk in, and these guys walk up to you. Like, remember, the, on these bases, it's a, it's a block of it's a military installation in the middle of nowhere. There's no town. There's nowhere to go. They can't go out. And they, they, so they do the shift, and they have a wreck area in the middle. And all they have is Call of Duty State. They play Call of Duty. And they, sometimes they, they can't get online, so they play the campaign. And these guys have been playing with my character a thousand hours. And I, they think I'm like their best friend. And I walk in, go, and I walk in Woods, Woods, come here. My mom's like, like it, it's as if they know me their entire lives. And at the first, it got a little unnerving because like it, the energy, but after a while, yeah, this is, this is what it is. They, they've been hanging out my character for three, four, five hundred hours. And there's a familiarity there, you know? Oh, that's crazy. That's that's yeah. it's got to be such a, a surreal experience. 
It's a humbling experience, Andy. Yeah. Could you you realize that you have people who are actually doing things, just fawning over us. Who this this is this is you know this is play. It's a playground. Yeah. You know? and, that, and and so it's humbling to sit there in front of a kid with three bullets in his ribs, and you got you got a little Call of Duty sticker here. Thanks for your service. Like what the you know what is that? <laughs> you know, I guess like I never felt so useless in my life. You know. Um, but that's the thing. It's it's humbling to see this is this is reality. This is what I do is. You know, if I'm having a bad day, I'll go and I'll get a, I'll, I'll get a donut and a cup of coffee. And, the, and, the, and, the, and the, you know, I mean, there's, it's just, it's not, it's just, I'm really well treated and pampered, basically. Yeah. So, but to see these guys, what they do and how they do it, it's humbling yourself. You really, I walk away feeling like, wow, I really, I, I have a debt of gratitude to. And quite frankly, when you do start getting a little bit of, uh, called visibility, you start to appreciate the fans more because, very, they are the reasons I exist. Like I want to be talking to you, my fans. And he, and he, again, this is they. They give me legitimacy because it's like they, you know, without them, they don't show up. It doesn't matter. As as a musician, I'm a musician as well. If mm-hmm. fans don't show up, well, you might as well be in your backyard, you know. So right. if, if people don't show up, you won't be there next time. I mean, that's the exactly. way I look at it. You know, that's exactly it. Yeah. So, yeah, it's great to, you know, have your thing go away, but you've you got to share it. And, and if, it, if, it, if it kicks in and people appreciate it, then I learned to appreciate people very quickly that way, you know. Well, I got to say, my son was impressed because he's a, a Yakuza fan. Oh, um, yeah, really? He, he was trying to explain the game to me, and he got up to the part where there's, you hire a chicken or you, I don't know <laughs> what he was talking about. And I'm like... I'm like, I thought this was like a, a crime thing. And he's like, yeah, yeah, it is. And I'm like, all right, I've no, I'm like, I am so, I was such a video game kid that when I, I was probably my early, early to mid twenties, when I first uh, kind of struck out on my own, do my own business thing. And I was like, you know, if I don't give up video games, no one's going to come to the office and be like, Hey, you can't play video games. So I just cold Turkey gave them up. Yeah. And they've changed so much to the point where I'm like, I can't even have a conversation about them anymore. Cause I'm like, I just don't even know what you're talking about. I just started playing. Uh, I have never played the game my life until this year. I just started playing uh, Cold, well, Warzone, but I fell in love with zombies called these zombies. Yeah. And- I'm probably doing, I mean, I'm, I'm overdoing it now. My eyes hurt. Because, you know, <laughs> once you start getting a little bit of skill and you can actually, it starts off, you just, you, you die constantly. And I, you don't know how to, the joystick, little two sticks, little controllers, it's so hard to learn how to use. But once you get a, a little bit of skill, and I'm not, I'm not even close to being good, it gets, you know, it gets to be fun. You know, yeah. and, and the energy, the adrenaline, and me and my girlfriend play, and it's like one of our favorite things to do. Like we just, and it's just fun. And what I like is when, you know, I'm fortunate, again, I'm lucky. I have a, I have a Twitch channel where I play and I have fans come out and play with me. And, you know, the mission is keep, keep woods, keep me alive. You know, yeah. keep, keep me alive. And I have a lot of fun. I have a lot of great fans. And a lot of, uh, a lot of them are very good at it and they keep me alive. So I have one games in Warzone without, a, you know, I just hide here, hide in the room. We're going to win a game for you. Because I, I, in Warzone, I die very quick. Anyways, it's something where if you were to pick it up and just try it, you would probably 
and you already got some experience, so you probably really get fall in love with the whole um, process because it's it's pretty remarkable. I have no idea. I mean, I, I I'm in it, but I was kind of, I'm not gonna be. I wish I had started ten years ago. It, it's, yeah. it's a blast. It's a blast. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure I would, and that's almost one of the reasons why I try to avoid picking it up because I, I was I was that kid that would you know, on a Friday night would start playing video games. And then you look at you like, Oh, this, Oh man. Um, Mario brothers. No, it? no. Um, I'm thinking Ultima online was like the last game that I would spend I all night playing without even realizing it was all night. You know, you just look out the window and the sun's coming up. You're like, Oh, I should probably go to bed. Dude, that's happened to me. I get it. I get it. Two, I got two o'clock in the morning. I got to wake up for a show at, at 6 AM. It's happened. You know, I get it. You get should, it. um, uh, have you ever heard there's a stand-up comic his name's called uh dara o'brien he's uh irish and he does an amazing like 15 minute bit about and you know kind of starts off with like uh you know uh video games are the number one entertainment industry in the world i'm supposed to pretend like i don't like him because i'm a grown-up and he goes on he talks about um uh playing uh, uh guitar hero and then playing uh um metal metal gear solid and right. and you know he's talking about how like you're trying to figure out which buttons which and you're staggering around the field in a crouch position because you can't figure figure out what button is uncrouch and yeah. it, it is <laughs> goddamn hysterical it is so i'll email it to you because it is priceless well I, again i i've been there and i get stuck how how do i move like, i can't yeah. move Oh, you look down. It's just so. It's it's it's. There's so much you have to know. You know this. Once you understand the maps, then it gets fun because now yeah. you know where things are. You know what to avoid. You know how to you know, take you know take advantage of things. So yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's 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 amazing how much it's changed. I mean, like the last time I played, it was either on a computer or like something that had I think four buttons on it. Um. What are you working? Are you working on anything right now that you can talk about? Um, no. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I, 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 oh, I, I wasn't sure if you were in Hawaii on vacation or if you're well, out there. I, um, I, I live here as much as I can. I had okay. I had the, the good fortune of having the opportunity to to, to be here uh, full time, so I take the opportunity. Oh, nice. But I just did a uh, went. I had I'm in Kauai. I just bounced over to uh, Honolulu. And I recorded some stuff for uh, a very well-known AAA game, but I can't speak of it. Okay. Well, you know, yeah. our fans can uh, keep we an eye out. Yeah, I, you know, I got to keep my mouth about that. But, uh, yeah, do that. Um, and there's a lot of production out here. So I, you know, look, I shot a movie um, a couple weeks, uh, two months ago, and then I had a movie premiere at the Beverly Hills called A Pity which I'm very proud of. It's uh, probably the best book I've ever done And that. And I'm waiting here about a job and they pace me to Korea. And then uh, hopefully I start recording my album uh, sometime this summer. You know, I'm, oh, I'm nice. Still a little, a little so bit. What do you, what do you play? I get, I, I'm a songwriter. I had a band before I, before I became an actor, I was a hockey coach and I kind of had a band in New York and then I kind of stopped doing that after a while. And so, mm -hmm. I just decided about four or five years ago I want to start, you know, picking that up again. And I got I got my fifteen written, and now it's just I'm uh, just doing my uh, technical work, and probably hit the studio 
within the next month. I'm, we're pretty close. We're pretty close ready to start recording. And then I'll do, uh, probably do some stage it tours and come back. I did a few concerts last summer. Uh, yep. West, so, so we'll see. It's, it's, so it's, it's, is yeah. there any carryover in recording, like voice acting type stuff and music? Well, okay, as an artist, you, you, you know that it's all the same thing. Oh, for sure. Yeah, there's a, the gen- there's a general basic creative yeah. itch it's that all we all have. Yeah. It's just, you know, it, it, it's just smaller divisions within a, a, within a, a medium. Like as an actor, it's all the same thing. Hit your mark, say your line. I, I reduce, you know, be authentic. You know, mean what you say, say what you mean. These are the few things I have. You know, you have requirements. Like working on TV is different than working on a film. Mm-hmm. Working on film is different than working on, uh, on, on digital. Theater is different than doing commercials. You have to have it, but it's the same skill set. It's, it's your, you know, are you generating honest emotions? Are you, are you authentic? Are you creating something that's organic to your nature? And, you know, are you able to freely, um, you know, play, play in your emotional swamp, I call it. So if you, if you can play in your emotional swamp and have it be, you know, and call upon the things you need to call on you, it's going to be a blast. So, Musically, it's no, it's telling a story, storytelling. You know, writing a song, it's just telling a story. I'm, I'm right. I wrote Black Ops Four. I wrote Black Ops Two. You know, I, I'm a writer as well. So writing is, you know, that's you're just telling a story. As an actor, you're just telling a story. Um, I think art entirely is about. Even a sculpture is telling a story. You know, caught in one, at one moment in time. So that that's how I see it. It's all so the same thing. It's just using a different set of tools for the same thing. So this is really interesting because uh, I really I like the fact that you know you write, you act, voice act, you play music. Because I'm kind of that same. You know, I, I think the one thing I hate is getting stuck on one thing and, and getting bored with it. So I, I always have like I'm happiest when I have like 50 different things going and it's complete chaos and I'm always trying yeah. to. But you throw in hockey. Um, there's not a lot of, generally you don't think of creative people being in athletics uh, to that. You see that again, it's awesome. Some of the greatest athletes are wicked creative. You have to be, especially as a hockey player, you gotta be up, you're, you're tracking all this movement. You're just trying, it's like, it's, you gotta get creative. Now it's, it's funneled through a different set of muscles and a different set of concepts, but you still you are reacting to the environment to the top of your integrity as mm-hmm. creativity. And, uh, you know, I, what I've and to go spin back a little bit and say, what I, the battle I've always had is having too many skills. You don't ever really, uh, it's hard. You, you got to find one or two and maximize them, you know? Um, so find the one that's coming, that's coming to you the quickest, maximize that. Then you can, you know, because I was battled between being a hockey coach. I had a, had a hockey program in New York. I owned a restaurant. I was doing some acting, um, some uh, work with the band, but nothing was kicking. The restaurant was doing well, but that's out of my control. Mm-hmm. So the idea is that, all right, you know, I had to settle down to one thing that was coming to me, and it seemed more and more acting opportunities were coming to me. So I said, you know what? I'm going to fall like it again. I, when I was a hockey coach, I said, let, let the game come to you. Go to where the opportunities will be. If you keep chasing the puck, you know, you, you, you're going to end up behind the play all the time. So just let's keep, see what comes to you. Hold your positions, you know, hold your poise. And then 
the acting opportunities just seem to come and they follow those. And it, and that's now allowed me to build a platform where I can basically enter into a new business at a higher level because I now have, I have people I'm recognized, but I can use that as a platform to introduce this new thing. You follow me? That's amazing so, advice. Yeah. I mean, so find yeah. the one that's coming at you, exploit it, master it, become good. Don't, don't give up your other stuff. Keep that, but really divide your day into 80, 20, 80% mm -hmm. of your time goes into 20% of what gives you product. So basically 80% of my day goes into, has been going into being an actor. So that means what, that's my job, 40 hours a week. If you're not 40, working 40 hours a week minimum at your craft, then you're an amateur and don't expect results. Okay, because you gotta have 40, I mean, you wake up and you start, you know, at least 40. And that means you, weekends you gotta do extra from, so that's gotta be the commitment. And then once you have that done, you get a little momentum, then you can, okay, I, I can maintain this with 50% of my attention. Now I have some freedom to go over here, keep my health, you know, maybe have a relationship, maybe live a life, you know, but it, it, when you start out and you're building, you got to focus all you got in that, into that place that's returning the love. You know, you know, don't give up, don't give up on that stuff. Just you know, let it understand. This is, this is for later. Right now, this is what's happening. Focus on that. I, I love exactly what you just said, but let me ask you for a little bit more advice. So there's that. It's always tough, especially I feel like it gets harder as you get older to kind of jump into something like that. because you have more bills and more responsibilities and kids and blah, blah, blah. Um, but for me, from going from inebriate as my kind of part time gig, overextended hobby to my full time thing. Uh, a lot of a lot of that came from COVID. You know, I got laid yeah. off. And so I'm like, all right, I got laid off from my real job. That Band-Aid's been ripped off. Now's the time. You know, I don't I can yeah. go and try and find another job or I can make this my job. Yeah. yeah. How would someone in that position? And I'm, I'm pretty good about it, but I still, you know, I'm a human being. You still have those moments where you're like, what, what, what am I doing? Like, I can get a real job and go sit at a desk and get a paycheck. You know, and, and kind of beating down some of the fears of like, is this going to work? Isn't this going to work? How, how do you kind of get over those kind of mental hurdles? I think, I, again, I, I'm reticent to give advice because, you know, so my, my disposition on this is very simple. It depends on the amount of personal authority, inner authority and inner discipline one has. If I know that I cannot discipline myself to get up at 5.30 in the morning, take care of business, get it done, then I got to be aware of that. So, and I also know that the idea, of, and again, this is, this is the idea of, this is a renaissance man, which is I hope makes a return, this idea of specialization and the idea that some of the artists is this boss individual who just plays music or paints, it's like, you know, all right, that's romantic and shit, but it's not practical. You live in the world and truly, what, what made you successful in what you're doing is that you adapted. So adaptability is artistry, taking in the environment, seeing what's necessary, making the adjustments, and then that's creativity at, at its purest form. You know, adapting to the environment, adapting to circumstances. Because when you're on set and all of a sudden you, you're, your acting partner goes up on their lines or a light falls or you run, you, you, you are, we are constantly adapting you know, you're writing a song and, and, you, and you mess up a note, go with it. You know, adaptation to the environment is the ultimate expression of creativity. 
So all you did was use your creativity to build your life, you know, manifesting your brain. So using your, your art as a life model is, is, is a, to me, that, that's, the, that, that's the modality to pursue. How do I, if I'm really creative, let me create something here that works. And quite frankly, I think, you know, you, you had done the work, you had a house, you had, you probably had a little bit of income, so you did have the opportunity to do it, right? Sure. It's just that we're always saying, oh, if I had some more money, I'd do it then. If I had some more time, I'll do it then. If I had more of this, I would do that. If I had more X, I could do Y. And that, you'll never have enough X. I know millionaires who are still waiting to make their first movie. They're worth millions of dollars. Dude, you can make a movie tomorrow. Yeah, but I... So you have to decide at some point that you give it to yourself. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna I, and if you're, if, if you're able to be disciplined and a little bit dogmatic, say, okay, I'm going to, I need X amount of dollars to live on, once I have X amount of, it's like being a good gambler, right? Yeah. Okay, if, you know, if I go to, I'm not playing cards and I win a hundred bucks, okay, do I walk the hundred or do I take, I'll play house money, now I make more. So you gotta be able to control your, your, your need and greed for that and say, okay, I, I'm, I've, I've got, I have a sustained income of four grand a month. I can live on that, take care of my family. Now I'm going to dedicate 50% of my time to doing my craft. Why mainly? Because you, you're going to have to spin a lot of plates in this business. You got to spin a lot of plates. You got to. Oh, yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah. So it's plate spinning. So yeah. get used to it. it. It doesn't. And the idea is to avoid the idea that someday I won't have to do this. No, it never. You never want to stop spinning plates because it's, it's your life juice. The minute you, you, you drop all the plates and it's gone. It's the, it's the practice of doing multiple things and finding the one that's, oh, this is working here. Like when you're doing scripts or stories or writing songs, oh, this song is kicking. I'm going to work on this now. Oh, this, oh, this story's talking to me. I'm going to do this one now. And, oh, you know what? Got to pay the rent. So how am I going to do that? Okay, let me focus on this for a little bit. It, you, we are never one thing. We are multitudes. And deciding which aspect we have to focus on is just that's discipline. You know, that's all. And, and I think the, the, that spinning plate analogy is great because you also have to be comfortable with the fact that you're going to drop plates, man. Like oh, not, yeah. not all of them, but you're going you're gonna to drop them. You're going to break you, them. You, you may drop all of them. Now yeah, what? sure. Yeah. You know what? Yeah. But the idea is like, it's always the way I like to describe it is, you know, when you watch a, uh, I don't know a lot of gymnasts when I was training and we talked a lot. So, so one of the gymnasts on the beam, you know? Oh, yeah. Or like riding a bicycle. You know, like when you ride a bicycle, you make a thousand adjustments every second, right? Because your body's. But when someone's watching, you look smooth as hell, right? But in your mind, you're making all these adjustments. Like a, a gymnast on that beam, they think they're wiggling and wobbling and crap. We see it perfectly. So the idea is that you're looking at something from the outside that looks smooth and perfect. But inside, it's like, because again, your margin, your degree margin of awareness is so small. It's like in a musician, if you're playing 400th notes, some, some looking for quarter notes is not going to see the, the nuance. Somebody who plays at a higher frequency is going to, oh, you're, but so you want to get to a point where you're, you're moving at such a, a level of control and integrity that no one notices you miss you skip the beat you know you skip the beat but no one else does unless they're in the world you're in yeah you, know, you, you see from the level you're at 
it, that's also why there's uh, certain musicians that I hate going to see like bands and other musicians play because you know oh they missed it they missed a note or uh, they're off like a little bit yeah. and like yeah man it's a bar like relax <laughs> you know there's a you certain... have a you have right a yeah 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 sure. but I get it I mean I think all and that's why all creative people are their hardest critics is because I think we have the highest expectation of our own performance. Interesting you say that because I, I, I'll contend with that. I'll contend because the guys I know who are really the A listers of calm, many could care less. Here's what I'm really? doing. Here's what I'm doing. Here's the line. I'm going home. And it's like it's, and it's somehow it works out. Yeah, I see it many hmm. times. That's you interesting. Know? I always think of, of, you know, creative people being, being their hardest yeah, critics. Remember, there's never one thing, right? Yeah, yeah, it's, true. It's, yeah. I'm just saying I have met many who just it's okay. Yeah. And I in, in a way some, I'm like that sometimes too. That's good. Moving on. You know, you, you just know you just know when you, you that's that's the best you're gonna get out of me. Moving on. That's a great line. You're gonna like it. You know, there's this there's a certain it comes with I don't know, confidence and confidence and arrogance are very strange bedfellows, you know. That's true. Very true. So you know, uh you, you, so yeah, sometimes there are those out there who just work and you know, who just grind and work and get it perfect. And there's some guys just show up and just flick it off and it's perfect. So you just you know I, I do remember that we had a uh, figure drawing uh uh event years ago and there was an artist and he was unhappy with his work and he threw it on the ground. His name was uh Haig. And I'm not going to pronounce his last name because it's like 900 syllables long. But like everyone kind of like looked and kind of looked at each other and kind of wanted to jump on like it was a gorgeous <laughs> drawing. And he was just yeah. something about it. He's like, man, I don't like it. And just threw it on the ground. So there are people that I, I feel like creative people can love and hate their work simultaneously. Of course, of course, yeah. of course. I mean, all the above. I mean, the beauty of it is there's that's there's never one thing and if it's x today next year it's going to be y like ah that's x. <laughs> yeah or, for sure or, or you I, go yeah, back I, and look at it and go oh it's not as bad as i thought it was i um i pulled out a bunch of stuff i wrote back in the in the in college some music like, yeah this is this is this is hokey it's, this sucks and then miguel goes like she's like that's your best fucking song that's beautiful I go, this one? She goes, oh my God, I love that. That's amazing. I go, huh? Because I go, goes, no, no, this, no, this is, that's your, I go, I go, oh, sure, okay. You know, because you just, it, it's almost like it's not for us to decide. Yeah, for sure. It's true. not for yeah. us to decide. It's for us to keep moving on to the next thing. It's us to, you know, just kind of hear what's being said about it and then and absorb it. Like, you know, it's not for us to decide. What, what what our audience likes they just are they either like it or they don't it's out and it, it i i've definitely given that advice to people being like you know let people buy what they want to buy or listen to what they but it, it's it's always harder to take your own advice sometimes i think well but, again but again i you know it's it's a it's a business of contradiction i just contradict myself well you know people aren't listening you're not going to get well there's you, you gotta you gotta straddle that it's like let's see as an artist, you have to suspend reality for a little bit. Because if you look at the practical 
the probabilities, not the possibilities, the probabilities. Is it possible you'll be the next uh, Michelangelo? It's possible. Is it probable? That's when you, yeah. Yeah. But then again, if it's, it is possible, right? It's mm -hmm. totally possible. Is it possible I could play in the NBA? It's possible. Probably not probable, right? But you always have to have the ability to discern the prob probabilities versus possibilities. And as an artist, you have to suspend that whole reality. Like, okay, you know what? Like you said, if you're older, you're going to try something. Oh, well, you have all this, all this noise in your head. Like, well, you're too old to, oh, you know, it's a kid's world. Fuck that. No, no. It is what you created to be. If you think of what you know at this age, right? And what you, there's a market out there for somebody who wants to hear the shit you got to say. But no one's saying it. Why? Because everyone thinks you got to be, you know, shaking your ass on Twitter to get any attention, right? Right. No, yeah. we, we both know that there's there's hunger for, you know, a male perspective and male energy, and and that's is a whole market there ready to be opened up, but no one's gone there because when you believe when you believe CNN, you believe MSNBC, you believe all these networks and Fox, they're telling you, you know, no, that's not the fucking universe. That's just people making money off of your attention. What's out there is how you feel, how do I express what I feel, and then how do I present it to people? How do I get it out to people? And those are the three steps. You know? Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I can't believe this is already flown by, man. Uh, James, where can our listeners go to, to see what you're doing? Like, what's your Twitch channel? What are your social medias? You know, all the, the hokey promotion stuff. Um, Instagram is jamesc.burns. Uh, I have a YouTube show called Sarge's Corner, which we do uh, have. It's called Sarge's Coffee. It's on Saturday's morning. We do. Uh, yeah, it's a great, great community. We just talk about um, current events, and then I do a. Uh, I play zombies with fans. Uh, Twitch on uh, Twitch. James C. Burns Twitch on Sunday mornings. Nice, and then man. yeah, there's, there's Twitter and there's you know I'm easy. I'm, I'm easy to find. Just Google James C. Burns. I kind of pop up pretty fast. In all, in all the places you are. Yeah. yeah cool, cool man. Uh, well, it's always nice to talk to someone who was local, I guess. You know? Um, I, spent, but, I spent plenty of time down, down in the Boston area. Family uh, Yeah, we're, we're a little south. We're like right near Plymouth Rock. And, yeah, I, I, I've been there, man. I, I know yeah. you are. Nice. You know? Cool. I spent a lot of summers on the Capes. And a lot of times, back in the day, we could thumb. We just thumb down the pike. You know, head down 128 and just thumb right down the Cape, man. That was a memory. Are you old enough to remember going th thumbing? Across? Uh, that was going. I do remember it as a kid. There, I like there were tons of hitchhikers when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, yeah. and but by the time I got to high school, it was pretty much gone. Yeah, well, that was that was the mode of transportation back in. The, you know, I came up in the 70s. Oh yeah. So that was that's what you did, man. You want to go into town? Stick your thumb out right down Route 20. You know? Yeah, I, I had cousins and uncles and whatnot that are always like, "Yeah, you just, I just thumbed, you know." So I got to New Hampshire, or whatever, and you. You thumbed New Hampshire. I mean, yeah. I can't say we we used to wait at the uh, let's get on a lead at the turnpike entrance, and you thumb and it's like Boston, you know. Like, yeah, come on, jumping. You always got to ride. Yeah, it got it's, weird sometimes. You got some some weird shit happen, but yeah. you know, you're a kid. It's it's it was a different life. Yeah, it's different times, man. Um, but thank you so much for coming on. It was an absolute pleasure. 
I will send you a link to that uh, Dara O'Brien uh, video game thing that I was I'd talking about. And uh, we wish you the best of luck, man. You too, Andy. Maybe do this again, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Anytime you got something to promote, feel free to reach out. All right, Andy. Thanks, buddy. Great talking awesome. to you. Awesome. Thank you. And our listeners, you guys can check us again next week. And thanks for checking out the show today, listeners. Uh, if you enjoyed the content today, you can go over to patreon.com slash to support the show. You can join over there for just a few dollars a month and help us provide this fun content that you just checked out. You can also email us at inebriart.com with your questions, complaints, and concerns, or you can find us on all social medias at inebriart or at inebriart6 on Instagram. And also don't forget to check out our other shows, Bar Talk Podcast, Old Colony Cast, Inebriart, and all the other shows on the Inebriart Network, which you can find at inebriart.com. Thanks again for listening.